Have you been feeling down or hopeless? Or have you had trouble falling or staying asleep or maybe sleeping too much? Have you been feeling tired or having little energy? And I'm talking often, long term. Maybe you've had a poor appetite or you've been overeating. Or have you been feeling like you're a failure or like you're letting your family down and that they would be better off without you? By the way, if you have had that feeling, please reach out for help. I'm putting a website here in your program, suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Reach out for help. Talk to someone. Let's define depression like this. Depression is a long-term or extreme depletion of emotional energy and lack of hope. Maybe you've thought or you've been told, Christians shouldn't be getting depressed. And, and it's just wrong to be depressed. Christians should not be depressed. That's not true. That is a lie. In the Bible, we see many Bible heroes like David, Moses, who were depressed. And yet God got them through it. And God can bring you through depression. You can win over depression. Today, I want to share with you from the Bible how one man battled with depression and how God brought him through it and helped him to win. Just to give you a little background, during this time in ancient Israel, the most wicked king and queen who ever lived were on the throne, King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. Ahab and Jezebel brought the worship of a fake god named Baal into Israel, and worship of Baal was horrible. Part of worshiping Baal involved murdering your own children. Well, God said, no, no, do not bring this into our nation. And so God sent a man named Elijah to stand up to King Ahab. And Elijah said, Ahab, you bring your 450 prophets of Baal, these murderous prophets. Meet me at the top of Mount Carmel. We'll see which God is the real God, the God who answers with fire. And so they each built an altar and they said, God, answer us. And the prophets of Baal said, Baal, hear us. And of course, Baal didn't answer because he's not real. And then Elijah prayed, God, hear me. And God sent fire from heaven that just consumed the stone altar he built. And the people are all shouting, the Lord is God, the Lord is God. And they took these murderous prophets and executed them. Elijah is a winner. He's on top of the world. And then we get to the following chapter, 1 Kings chapter 19. In 1 Kings 19, King Ahab goes back home to Queen Jezebel and he tells her everything that happened. And she is furious. And she immediately sends a message to Elijah to say, I'm going to kill you. Tomorrow at this time, you will be just as dead as those prophets of Baal. Now, how do you think Elijah responded? I mean, he's just seen fire pour down from heaven. He is winning. You think he'd say, ha ha, yeah, right, woman, bring it. What you got? Here's what the Bible says. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. What happened? Elijah experienced extreme emotional depletion. 
He is physically, emotionally, and spiritually empty. I mean, he's seen God do all these amazing things, but now he's empty. Have you ever been there? You've got so much going on in your life, so many things draining you emotionally, and it just takes one more crisis, and then you're going to snap. That's Elijah. Elijah was depressed. Why do we get depressed? The Bible gives us four reasons from Elijah's story why he was depressed and four reasons that we often find ourselves depressed. If you have your notes, I want you to to write this down. Reason number one that you and I get depressed, we focus on our feelings instead of the facts. Elijah is feeling scared and he runs away. He runs from Jezreel, way up in northern Israel, all the way down to Beersheba, the southern border of southern Israel. And there, he doesn't stop. He leaves his servant there and keeps on traveling into the wilderness. By the way, why do we isolate ourselves when we're depressed? Why do we push everyone else away? Elisha is now alone. He is exhausted. And he collapses under a tree and he prays this to God. He says, I've had enough, Lord. He said, God, I've had enough. I've been serving you for years. I've been fighting this battle for years, and it's all been for nothing. You ever felt like that? Like maybe you've been fighting to keep your marriage alive. Or you've been fighting and fighting to keep your kids on the right path, making the right decisions, and you feel like it's all been wasted. That's Elijah. Elijah is focusing on his feelings instead of the truth. Just because you feel it doesn't mean it's true. Maybe you're depressed today and you feel like God is far away. And so you think, God must be angry at me. And that's not true. Maybe you feel inadequate, like I'm not good enough. And so then you think, I must be worthless. And that's not true. We focus on our feelings instead of the truth. Jesus said the truth will set you free. We get depressed because we focus on our feelings. The second reason we often get depressed, we compare ourselves to others. Elijah says this to God. He says, God, take my life. And there's a red flag. If you're saying, God, I'm ready for this to be over, get help. Reach out. Elijah says, God, take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. And he's comparing himself to everyone who's come before. He says, God, I'm not like Moses leading your people to freedom. I'm not like David winning these battles against your enemies. I'm just me, and I'm failing. When we compare ourselves to others, we will always feel like we're failure. Because we can always find someone who's doing a better job, we think, than we are. When you get to heaven, God is not going to ask you why you weren't more like someone else. He's not going to say, why weren't you more like Pastor Bo? (laughs) Believe me, I don't have it all together. God's not going to say that. God is going to ask you, why weren't you more like you? Why weren't you more like the person I created you to be? And by the way, next week, 
Pastor Craig Walker, one of the founding pastors of BCF Church, he's going to be teaching us on how God has made you truly a masterpiece. God created you to do great things. He created you to live in confidence, joy, and peace. When we compare ourselves to others, we get depressed. The third reason we get depressed is we take responsibility for things that are outside of our control. Elijah is complaining to God, and he says, God, I have always served you as well as I could, but the people of Israel have broken their agreement with you. They've destroyed your altars and killed your prophets. He's saying, God, I've been working my tail off for three years, and it's nothing. Everybody is just the same place. They are no better off than when I started. And Elijah is taking responsibility for the spiritual health of an entire nation. Do you find yourself taking responsibility for other people's choices? When I was in my 20s, I used to work, uh, I was volunteering at this uh, Big Brother program in Indianapolis. I was training a young, and we called them leaders in training, which I soon realized was code for very troubled teenager. And I had to spend all day with this kid and make sure he ate his food, make sure he went to and did his schoolwork and did his chores. And, and I was trying to teach him to follow God and read his Bible. And he did not want to change. Do you ever find yourself trying to change people who don't want to change? Trying to change your husband who doesn't want to change? Trying to change your kids who don't want to change? This kid didn't want to change. And I got depressed because he wasn't changing, and I felt responsible. Sometimes it's the same with our own kids. We feel responsible for their choices. Now, if your kid is throwing a fit in Walmart, you are responsible to stop that. And, and I know it's hard. It's hard to train our kids. But at some point, we have to hand that over. We have to hand over that responsibility, and they are responsible for their choices. If we try to control them, it'll just drive us crazy, and we'll get depressed. The fourth reason that we find ourselves depressed, we exaggerate the negative. Elijah wraps up his complaint with this. He says, I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. It's like, poor me, God, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one serving you left, and I'm almost dead. God, it's the end of the world. Now, that wasn't true. The only one who was trying to kill Elijah was Jezebel. And she was powerless to kill him. Listen, all of her prophets were dead. The people are saying the Lord is God. Even her husband's like, wow, God really is real. If, she, uh, if Jezebel wanted to kill Elijah, she wouldn't have sent him a messenger. She would have sent a hitman. That's the kind of person she was. But she sent a message because she was powerless and said, well, maybe he'll get afraid and he'll run away. And that's what he did. He emphasized the negative and it wasn't true. Do you ever find yourself exaggerating the negative? Feel like, wow, everything's coming to an end. The world is all against me. You need to share it with someone else who can give you some perspective. I want you to hear from a lady on our team and how she learned to deal with her negative thoughts. Shortly after my second child was born, I had noticed that I was very uninterested in life in general. I wanted to sleep all the time. 
And I remember being in our room with John because he was the one that actually brought it to my attention that I was not there. Meanwhile, in my head, I'm listening to thoughts like, you're such a bad mom, you're such a bad wife, you can't even wash their clothes, you can't even take a shower. I believe the lies that I wasn't a good wife and I wasn't a good mom. And the one thought that came to my mind was, the world would be better off without you. And I, I held on to that one because I really did believe that. I believe that my kids would have a better mom if I wasn't here, that John would have a better wife if I wasn't here. I think the turning point came when, when he helped me, he grabbed me by my hands and he looked me straight in the eyes and then he cupped my face and he said, this is not my Milda. And when he said that, it was like for that moment, I had this, the haze was gone. And then it clicked, like something's wrong with me. I decided to tell him what was going on, let him know what exactly my thoughts were, that I was a bad mom, that I was a bad wife, that I wasn't enough of a Christian, and that everybody would be better off without me. He was crying, I was crying, and he, he was the one that said, we need to go to the doctor. This is not who you are. <laughs> and I said, okay. If I could talk to myself back in 2010, I would say you're gonna be okay. You are weak, but God is strong. I would say there's more to live for. I would say you're not alone. People love you, people want you around. They don't just need you because they need to be fed or they need their clothes washed. People want you because you're a big part of their lives. If you've been having those thoughts that the world be, would be better off without you. Get help. Share your feelings with someone else. Get help, because that's not true. Nilda is now winning over her depression. And you can win too. God shows us four ways that we can win over depression. And he shows us by the ways that he treated Elijah. The first thing God did for Elijah, number one, is he took care of his physical needs. God didn't rebuke Elijah and say, Elijah, why are you thinking these things and slap him around? No. And God didn't even correct him at first either. Here's what God did. Elijah has, has prayed this prayer. He's wiped out. He's exhausted. He falls asleep. The Bible tells us he lay down and slept. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and said, get up. And eat. And he looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. See, God doesn't rebuke him, God feeds him. 
God knows, Elijah, this is what you need. You haven't been eating. You haven't been drinking. You haven't been sleeping. God takes care of his physical needs. And then he does it a second time. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up, eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank and the food gave him strength. God doesn't rebuke him. God took care of his physical needs. You've got to take care of your physical needs. A friend of mine shared me these areas that a doctor said you need to focus on. First one was hygiene. Are you taking a shower, brushing your teeth, sleeping? You might need to sleep. Are you taking your days off? Are you using your vacation days? Are you getting your rest? Second thing was nutrition. He says you've got to eat. And maybe you need to change your diet. You know, if we're filling ourselves with junk food, that's not the food that's going to give us energy. He says you need to exercise. And that doesn't mean you have to join a gym. It just means do something, especially outdoors. Sunshine has that vitamin D that we desperately need. And God created this beautiful world. He wants us to enjoy it. Researchers at Essex University in England actually did a study showing that those who suffered from depression found a 30-minute walk, just a 30-minute walk outside made them feel better about themselves. Get some exercise. Get outside. And maybe take medication. If you've been suffering from this for long term, you, your body might be chemically out of balance and you need to take your medication. My dad is an eye doctor. And even as an eye doctor, he was suffering with chronic pain for years and years. And it was, it was affecting him. It was hurting him. It was weighing him down. Back in 2004, it had got really, really bad. And he and my mom were seeing a Christian counselor. And the counselor said, I think you might need to go see a psychiatrist. And my mom was like, whoa, whoa, I don't know about that. You know, there's this stigma about seeing a psychiatrist. It means you're crazy. I'm like, oh, no, I don't know about that. Thankfully, Pastor Kenny counseled them, yeah, I think you should do what the counselor said. So my dad went to go see a psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist asked, well, how are you feeling? My dad said, well, I'm not depressed. I'm not sad. I just feel like there's this heavy weight just pushing down on me all the time. And the doctor said, yeah, that's depression. My dad was depressed. This long-term chronic pain was wearing him out. And he was feeling like there was no hope. So the doctor prescribed antidepressants, anti-anxiety meds. My dad saw a tremendous difference afterwards. Sometimes you need to take medication to bring yourself chemically back into balance. Often, we're just too busy. We say, well, I'm too busy to go to the doctor. I'm too busy to do all these things to care for myself. Take the time. Make the time to care for yourself. Take that time to do things that bring you joy. Maybe it's going fishing. I'm giving you permission to go fishing. Do the things that bring you joy. Maybe it's getting a pedicure. My wife told me this last week, I've just had such a rough week, I need to go get a pedicure. And I'm like, yes, go. This is good for your mental health. Make time to play. Make time to eat, time to sleep, time to get exercise. And then spiritual. Read your Bible. 
especially the book of Psalms. See, after God took care of Elijah's physical needs, then God wants to take care of his spiritual needs. How do you win over depression? Number two, share your feelings with God. See, God doesn't condemn Elijah. God draws Elijah out. Elijah travels further south into the wilderness to Mount Sinai, where God gave the Ten Commandments. And he's like, God, I want to hear from you. And when he gets there, the Lord says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Two times, the God, God says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? See, God is drawing him out. God is giving him permission to share his feelings. And so he does. He says all of those things he said before. God, I'm the only one left. Everyone's abandoned you. They're trying to kill me. And God doesn't rebuke him. God listens to him. And God knows Elijah's perspective is off. He knows that he's focusing on the negative. He knows he's exaggerating. He knows he's listening to his feelings. But God listens to him. Sometimes the best thing you can do for a friend is just to listen. Don't try to fix them. Just listen. Share your feelings with God. Share your feelings with someone else. And as you share your feelings, I recommend the book of Psalms. In the middle of your Bible is a book called Psalms. And the Psalms are just full of emotion. Where the writers are saying, God, I'm hurting. God, I'm depressed. God, I'm sad. God, I'm angry. And God gives us permission to feel these things. But then he always comes back to truth. When I was in Indianapolis and I was feeling so depressed and so on my own, I read Psalm 42 and it just spoke to me. Why am I so depressed? Why is this turmoil within me? He shares his feelings. But then he comes back to truth. Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. The psalmist isn't afraid to share what he's feeling, but he always comes back to truth. Share your feelings. Pour them out to God. And then number three, to win over depression, get away from the noise to hear from God. See, God listens to Elijah's complaint, and then God says, okay, now I want to talk to you. He says, Elijah, come and stand out on the side of the mountain. I'm going to come and talk to you. And the Bible says that God puts on this, this huge light show. God sends a, a, a tornado that just tears across the mountain. It's lifting rocks up in the air and throwing them around. But the Bible says the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there's an earthquake that just shakes the mountain to its foundations. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire rages across the face of the mountain. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. Elijah knew this was God. You see, God sent this pyrotechnic show, but God wasn't in that. And sometimes we want God to, to show us the fire and the lightning and the exciting stuff and lasers and smoke. And God says, that's what I can do, but that's not who I am. God is a person. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to listen to him. 
If you've invited Christ into your life, he is always with you. He is always inside you. But sometimes we have to get away from the noise so we can just listen again. And as you listen, read God's word. Say, God, speak to me. Read those Psalms. If you don't have a Bible, get a Bible. We have these available at our resource table. Get into God's word. Read the Psalms. Say, God, speak to me. Get away from the noise. And then number four, let God give you a new purpose. God has Elijah's attention, Elijah's listening. And then the Lord told him, go back the same way you came. He's saying, Elijah, I'm not done with you. Go back the way you came. And then God gives him a new purpose. He says, Elijah, I want you to go and, and talk to this man. He's going to be the next king of Israel. I want you to go and talk to this man. He's going to be the next king of Syria. And then I want you to go find a man named Elisha. Elisha is going to replace you. I want you to train him. I want you to spend time with him. I want you to pour into him. He's saying, Elijah, I'm not done with you. I have a purpose for your life. Oh, and by the way, God says, there are still 7,000 people alive in Israel, all those who are loyal to me and have not bowed down to Baal. He's saying, Elijah, you're not alone. I'm with you. My people are with you. I have a purpose for you. I have people to surround yourself with. Don't be alone. As long as you are alive, God has a purpose for your life. As long as your heart is beating, as long as you are breathing, God is not done with you. God has something he wants you to do here on this earth. Find out what it is. Maybe you need to say, God, okay, God, what is your purpose for me now? And maybe God's going to change your direction. Maybe he's going to send you somewhere else. Say, God, what is your purpose? Our world is not getting better. But if we have Jesus living inside us, we can have hope. Your best days are yet to come. See, God loves you. God loved you enough to send Jesus to earth. Jesus, God's son, took on our sin. He took on our failures, our weaknesses, our depressions, and he took them to the cross. And then he died, and he rose again from the dead, leaving our sins buried. And he says to you now, I have a new life for you. I have a new beginning for you. I have a home in heaven waiting, and as long as you're on this earth, I've got a plan for you. And he sends his spirit to live inside us. So he says, I will never, ever leave you. If you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life, that's your first step. Do that right now. I want to invite you to just pray with me right now. If you've never invited Christ in, invite him in today. Just say something like this. Say, dear Jesus, just right where you are, maybe at home, sitting in your living room, say, dear Jesus, I've sinned. I've failed. But tell him, I believe you died for me on the cross so that I can be healed. And then invite him in. Say, please, come into my life. Give me a new beginning. Help me to be aware that you are always with me. Just 
Tell him that. I love you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that right now, the Bible says, as many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God. You are a child of God. You are my brother. You are my sister. You are not alone. And your best days are still ahead of you. God wants you to win. Get ready to enjoy today. Get ready to discover God's purpose for your life. Let's talk to God about that right now. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you that you don't leave us to wallow in our negative thoughts. God, you take care of our physical needs. You give us friends. You give us doctors. You give us medicine to bring us into balance. God, you give us the freedom to pour out our feelings to you, and then you bring us back to truth. God, you have a purpose for our lives. God, show us. Show each one of us here today, what did you put me on this earth to do? Father, thank you that our best days are still ahead of us. It's in Jesus' mighty name we ask for your help. Amen. Thank you.